Welcome back to Mages and Murder Dads, the best show dedicated to the games beyond Baldur's Gate. This is episode 48, and we're playing Planescape Torment. I'm Cameron, and I play the Nameless One. And I'm Danny, and I play the Nameless One. Oh my god. Episode 48, huh? Episode 48, 4 times 2 is 8. 48 has two digits. 48 is a number divisible by 2, and 4, and 8. And Greek and Roman mythology have one story in common. Apollo slaying the serpent at Delphi. And he, how many times did he strike the serpent? 12 times. 48 times. Oh, good, good lord. That's a... He killed it with one blow, but he just kept. <laughs> kept He's a, that a sadist. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, got some got some announcements here. We the past few episodes we haven't done the whole thing of go follow us on Twitter, blah blah blah. Uh, we do it at the end, but this is a podcast now. Mm-hmm. Officially. As, oh my as, gosh, it's it's real. Uh huh. It's it's a real thing. You can go only in iTunes, I think, right now. I have not submitted it to the google play store or any of those other ones but currently if you are an itunes user uh and i think pocket casts uh, anything that pulls from itunes i guess Mm -hmm. you could go and search mages and murder dads and you could add it to your thing this very moment it took an incredibly long time for me to make this more time than we really thought it would yeah i had to rip all the audio and you know what i didn't go back and listen to any of them so they might be bad i don't know I spot checked a few of them, so let me know if you if you go mm-hmm. back and listen to some of these episodes and there's long sections where there's a visual joke, deal with it. Yeah, I mean, look, this is I, I don't think when when you said bad, I didn't know um, what you were talking about there. I thought you meant audio quality or something, but no, this is first and foremost a pseudo visual media, right? Like mm-hmm. they're they're going to be like we're using the 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 platform. And it's full, you know, the full extent of the platform. There are several gags that are visual that you've done. Oh, there's done. lots. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is this is for, this is because a lot of people, including some of the people on the Patreon, have said, hey, I want to be able to subscribe. I want to be able to go running. I don't have YouTube red, and I want to mm-hmm. be able to listen to the podcast while I'm running. And well, now you can. for those people. No, you can't. And we thought about putting it behind the paywall, and uh, we didn't because I thought that would be a lot of work. <laughs> so my laziness is your reward. Yeah. No, we Boom. would have we would have done that immediately if it were less work. Yeah, yeah, but it, it seemed to be a lot of work to me. Mm-hmm. I would have to like look up a guide. That's a lot. But anyway, that's up. And that's ready to go. Uh, another big announcement we have. Uh, the following Tuesday after this comes out, uh, that would be dot, 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 question mark, question mark, question so mark, this, the 29th. This, yeah, this is coming May out the, the 24th, and five days after that. Mm-hmm. The day after U.S. Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to do a thing that we're calling prepare to give. Prepare to give. Prepare to give. It is Range Touch's first charity stream marathon. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna play the brand new, the newly released um, Dark Souls uh, remastered version. 
they, 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 good old, good old FromSoft has remastered the original Dark Souls, and we're gonna, we're gonna play it. I think what, I, what we'll do is I will play it, and I will stream it, and Cameron will commentate, and throughout we will be uh, raising money. And I have like done a, done a, a bit of research and some some testing. Uh, and, and there's going to be like donation alerts on the screen as, as we stream. And the charity that we're supporting is the Sylvia Rivera Law Project, mm-hmm. um, which, which does really great work. Um, it's a legal aid group that, that helps trans, non-binary, and intersex individuals. And does like, I don't know, it's really difficult to like summarize all of the good work they do in like a really pithy sentence because it's, a, it's, a, it's an organization that does so much good stuff. Yeah, they they're kind of a big omnibus group, mm-hmm. um, but we're gonna earmark it to just be only used for Dark Souls related <laughs> legal defenses, <laughs> which is very specific. Mm-hmm. I don't no, know gonna that, do that that's gonna be up to the SRLP to mm-hmm. abide by those conditions. So, but you know, mm-hmm. it's gonna be part. Of, we're gonna put that in the uh, in the memo section. In the, of the memo, big John yeah. check, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, so we're going to do that. Um, hopefully people will enjoy that. If you are listening to this sometime after that Tuesday, that's okay, because we'll put up a video of the whole thing. You can go watch it. We'll have the VOD, and we'll also probably, like, export it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be on the YouTube page. I will donate $5 every time I die. Really? Really. You're going to donate $5 every time you die. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, you can do that. That so you'll be able to see that uh, even if you don't miss it, unless I die too many times and we have to scrub the existence <laughs> of this stream from the internet. <laughs> There's always a chance that I've got to go back and delete this episode, so you better enjoy <laughs> it. Uh, to 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 remove that, he he was he was really feeling that out as he said it. You can tell. <laughs> Five. Wait, how how many is ten deaths? Ooh. <laughs> Oh Lord! Mm. Mm-hmm. If uh, if you come back and you listen to this later, and it's just one long beep noise, <laughs> you know what happened. But uh, anyway, that's not what the show is about. The show is about Planescape Torment. Yeah, we're playing Planescape Torment, and uh, took a little bit of a break there. I think both of our schedules have been really strange. But good thing is, I think that the seas ahead. There's a lot of good good signs for uh, for a more for a back going back to our regular schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's summertime, yeah. We, we we appreciate you uh, sticking with us during the the springtime here. We've missed a couple days, but uh, it's been for a good reason. But Planescape Torment, Cameron, give mm-hmm. us the plot in, let's say, uh, one of those new mega tweets. Two hundred eighty words. Yeah, yeah. Um, the nameless one is a rude dude and dies a bunch is immortal period Mm -hmm. does adventure finds ferid finds where died loses skull Mm. there you go it's definitely less than 280 that's good no I like that that's where we are. Basically, the, the last episode ended with our great skull, Morty, 
being whisked away. Mm-hmm. Um, by by a vagabond. By somebody. Yeah. Uncertain. Yeah, and it was a real uh, Matt Damon in the opening of uh, Ocean's Eleven kind of misdirection. Don't know where he's coming from. Brad Pitt's eating an apple. George Clooney's wearing a suit. Andy Garcia, he's just rude as hell, but he's very rich. Bernie Mac selling a suit. Casey Affleck doing something else with that other guy that pretends to be his brother. It's one of those scenarios. Uh, see, I kind of pictured it in my mind more of a Matt Damon in downsizing where we were shrunk and we couldn't see what was happening because we were so small. Do you think... Oh, okay, so here, before we get into it, <laughs> this is the, the, the imaginative sadness of, of contemporary games, okay? Mm-hmm. It is more likely... This is my uh, this is a, a, like a position statement. Mm-hmm. It is more likely that we get the fantasy version of downsizing than the fantasy version of Ocean's Eleven. Mm, that's a real. You're talking about the political climate of games in which they are produced. Mm-hmm. I am. But do you think I'm wrong? You think that's wrong? Are you talking about de- like developer and game maker intent? Not just intent, just just the likelihood of it occurring. Mm-hmm. We would be more likely to see an RPG of downsizing, uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids kind of scenario where an adventuring party gets shrunk by a wizard and they're small and they got to fight giant ants, blah, 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 that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, as opposed to a complicated heist uh, heist plot. Yeah. yeah, I think that the... I think that we are more likely to see the uh, the former... Because, for like a variety of reasons, I think it's easier. That's an easier premise to pull off. Mm-hmm. Because like the ideas are just so easy. It's like, oh, all of these things that would be trivial would be really difficult and arduous if you were small. Right? Mm-hmm. All of these creatures that would nor- normally be harm- harmless would be ferocious if you were small. Whereas, you got to imagine the replayability of the Ocean's Eleven <laughs> game uh quite low right i don't know i think that once you know like the that the way those films work is like there's there's a twist or a surprise or like imperfect knowledge on the part of the viewer as as far as the full extent of the plan right Mm -hmm. but then they're very rewatchable because then you can say oh oh golly look we can see it happening here Mm, rewatchable for a certain demographic you you don't think you think that (laughs) once the, the the journey doesn't matter it's only the destination no, it is the journey, but it's the journey in the uncertainty. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I think this speaks to a really different different way in which we envision the world. You didn't think that they were going to pull it off at the end of Ocean's Eleven? You thought mm. it was, gosh darn it, just ain't going to happen? I, I thought it was going to be like the end of the, like the season finale of Seinfeld. They all end up in prison? Yeah. And it's just like all the all the characters that they swindled along the way testifying against them. Ooh, that's a, well. We'll talk about that on the. Uh, if you if you want to hear more about our um, uh, reminiscing of heist plots and where those could go, subscribe to the Patreon. <laughs> okay. We'll definitely talk about that. Make a make a sticky note right now. Put it on I, your I monitor will. or something. Yeah, five dollars a month gets you probably get to hear about that. We're also mm-hmm. going to talk about Nino Cooney too, probably. And yeah, podcast, I, I hope, hopefully, yeah. Yeah, you got to finish that. Um, 
so I think what we did with this episode is we said we need to get to kind of a certain plot beat. But before then, let's like explore some of the side quests content that we've kind of neglected up until this point. Yeah, well, because there's a new area. So this place that we went yes. in to where Mort was uh, kidnapped is it's called like the Cleric's Ward or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't actually remember uh, the name of the area, but it's just yet another. It's like the hive kind of right. This big, um, you know, you can golden path it in what, 15 minutes? Sure. You know, you can go and do the thing. You can find Mort. You can go and move on to the next plot very, very quickly. That's a very short quest. But... Um, part of the challenge, I think, of playing Planescape versus playing Baldur's Gate is that Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2 and, and all of those, they built the side quests into the plot as a necessity. So like in Baldur's Gate 2, for example, Chapter Act 2 was so two. big yeah. and weird. Yeah, right. That you've got to go collect that money. And so you're forced into a bunch of side quest content, which is brilliant. I think that's really great. Um design world building kind of stuff but here in in planescape that is not the case you could just skip all this golden path um and you would have i think a worse experience probably yeah and there's also it creates a different set of expectations because in Baldur's gate there is a feeling that because in 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 act two you are told get 10 grand right and side quests are a means to that end so there, there's kind of like a goal-oriented uh, position that a lot of players are going to take when doing side quests. Like, I need to do this in order to like mm-hmm. get to the next thing. Whereas a lot of there's like a lot of side quests and conversations that don't even end in a side quest. Just like long conversations I'll have with NPCs. The only reason I am doing them is because I find them so interesting. Yeah, I can imagine if you were a strong. Or maybe maybe two things. One, if you're a strong goal-oriented player, this game might not be for you. Mm-hmm. In that you might not find it very fulfilling. And B, if you are really into like the, you know, we've talked about this, I think, in every episode of, of Planescape so far. But if you're in it for the combat, you're having a bad time. No, I think that, so if you're in, in it for goal-oriented combat, dear lord. <laughs> the Venn diagram of the worst time you yeah. can have in this video game. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, so this place is interesting just by itself um, because there's this big foundry that mm-hmm. dominates the landscape, right? Well, there, there's two things. There's a foundry and there's like a siege tower. Yes, those are the, the things that dominate the landscape. And then like in the middle of this area is a marketplace. Yeah, like a big, it's kind of, it's like an underground market. Yeah, in, I kind of pictured right? it as like in tents, like a big, long mm. patched together tent. Mm, kind of like a bazaar mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, Northern Africa, kind of. Because, um, well, I guess maybe the top is open air? It's a little unclear to me. It's unclear. From the, from the outside, it looks like it's contained. Yeah, that, that isometric... Uh, uh, mm-hmm. The, the um, demands made by the isometric perspective. In any case, uh, so the first person I talked to was like someone who had been coughing during the cutscene where Mort was kidnapped because I was like, oh, of course, this is someone who was involved. His, his name is Korur or something, K-O-R-U-R, I think is how mm-hmm. you spell it. And uh, he, I don't think he was involved. In fact, uh, he he was just the one, he, you know, he had a little bit of information for me. But he really helped set up how this area works or kind of what the the... Uh, I, the environment design that is not apparent visually 
which okay. I find interesting. So, like, the air in this part of the city, if you live here, it is poison. Yes, and it, like, it is so poisonous that it affects your appearance. Yes, it is polluted. Everyone who lives here and, like, spends all their time here is jaundiced. They have yellow skin. And he explains that, like, there are these people called the Godsmen, and they live in the foundry, and, and they're doing some sort of weird operation. Um, where either they're trying to make a god or they're trying to become gods, it's unclear to me. Mm-hmm. But that that process that they're doing has a regional effect of screwing it up for everybody else. And there's nothing that anyone can do about it, apparently. Yeah. Did um, you follow up on that in any way? I talked to a godsman through the gate. What did I say? The godsmen are one of the official factions, which we haven't, like, we don't have a real lay of the land as far as the factions and sigil. No. Um... It appears that there are dustmen, there are harmonium guards. Yep. There and there are godsmen. Like so, there there's three. Mm-hmm. There's like and a mob. The godsmen believe that there is some aspect of divinity in everyone, and their goal is to seek out that divinity so that it, they can foster and grow that divinity, and see what true every being's true potential is. It is hmm. very generic, and it doesn't sound necessarily nefarious on its face, which means it definitely, like, in Baldur's Gate logic, it definitely is, <laughs> right? You know what it sounds like to me? Mm-hmm. It sounds like CrossFit. It is CrossFit, yes. Mm. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so you, you, you didn't have a quest or anything, or you couldn't find a quest to do anything about them? So... When you talk to them, the first uh, documents are, "Hey, I'm I've got a pickup," and they'll a- they'll ask you, "Oh, do you have a receipt?" And you can lie and say you have one. They're like, "Well, let me see it," and then you say, "Oh, well, I guess I don't. I'm sorry." <laughs> and they're like, "Well, move along." They're very kind, like they're pretty considerate, and they're like, "Well, you just don't have any business here." Hmm. Um, or you can say, oh, I, I want to drop, like, you can say, I want to drop something off, and they ask for the receipt. You can say, oh, can I pick up something? And then they say, oh, we don't have, we got a pretty long waiting list. It'll be another year before we accept any new business. And they, you never, like, find out what that business is. Hmm. So there's definitely an endpoint here, but we just have not found the kind of the, the on-ramp for that experience yet. Hmm. I'm going to be looking out for that. Um, I talked to one person, uh, before I came to this area. Okay. Um, you remember the smoldering corpse end at the end of the last episode? I, um, I, uh, recruited the eponymous smoldering corpse. Mm-hmm. You dump some water on him. Dump some special everlasting water on him. Well, anyway, I was still hanging out there. And I talked to this one fellow in there, and this is one of the most, like, I have been enmeshed in D&D lore for the majority of my life. And I have learned things about the planes from this character in this video game. Hmm. Um, Is is Kandrian, is he the one who is like, he's basically... the kind of story he tells you is like he was basically a level one adventurer and he like followed a enemy through a portal. 
and you ended up in Sigil? No, different guy. Okay, okay. That guy's like a clueless dude. Um, Cadrian is like half ethereal. Hmm. And lots of stuff happens. One, you can talk to him and you can be like, hey, you, you're an interplanar traveler, right? And he says, yeah. And he's like, well, there's this person. Remember like episode ooh, two of Planescape mm-hmm. where I talked about Ingress, this, this like refugee who like got lost here. And mm. refuses to go through any doors. Yeah, so a- she she was someone who was like wandering around in her native plane mm-hmm. and found a portal and wandered through and ended up in Sigil and now she can't leave. Yeah, I, and Kendrick's like, oh, I know exactly where she's from. I'll like lead her home, and you just go and talk to Ingress and say, hey, wait for Kadrian. She says, oh, cool. And when you go back to the Smoldering Corpse Bar, Kadrian's there and she's like, hey, I led Ingress home and she gave me her her rattling teeth. In a bag. Mm. Mm. Which is apparently like an item Morty could equip. But, so there's that aspect. Then, you can, you can, and I swear, there's footage of 15 minutes of me having Kandrian explain the way the planes work. And let me give you the liner notes, because it's pretty cool. Yeah, okay. There are the inner planes. The inner Mm -hmm. planes are, imagine a globe... Positive is the North Pole, negative is the South Pole, right? Mm-hmm. And the and like there's an interlocking. The 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 inner planes are all like the elements, like the stuff everything's made out of, right? So fire, water, um, positive, negative, and like the overlaps of those um, of those things. So like fire and water overlap, and you might have steam or air, right? So those are the inner planes. Then you got the prime material plane, right? Mm-hmm. That is made up of stuff in the inner planes. Um, between the prime material plane and uh, the inner planes, you've got the ethereal plane. That's like the space between. Then you have an astral plane that separates the prime material plane from the outer planes. And this is what's wild. This is something I did not know, right? The outer planes spring from the thoughts and beliefs of beings in the prime material plane. Hmm. They have no substance outside of, like, sentient beings in the prime material plane. It's interesting where... Mm-hmm. So, so like, I don't I don't believe that this is... Uh, canonical? Like, D- well, no, I think mm-hmm. it was canonical at one point. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it is still D&D canonical. I, I just got done. You can go to Paste... Uh, Pace Magazine's website, and you can read my uh, review of Morden Canaan's Tomb of Foes, which is fifth edition's kind of like extra planar book uh, that just came out or is about to come out. It's not 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 out yet, but I I believe that for the planes at least they have gotten rid of that that kind of fiat idea mm-hmm. to them, and they have uh, a more like the abyss exists, right, and mm-hmm. uh, the whatever the the abyss and then what's the other one uh for devils the nine oh, planes. The, the nine hells yeah the nine hells uh i think they just like straight up exist now um mm-hmm. although it is really interesting that they did keep some of that stuff so like beholders the way that they uh procreate right is that they mentally project another one into existence which i think is kind of part of the same system right mm. um but in any case this is yeah way back second edition stuff and, and and even small, like, between 4th and 5th, the cosmology changed a little bit. So if yes. we're looking at 5th and 2nd 
this is a big this these are big changes yeah but just so basically in the so the outer planes are like ideas law chaos good and lower and upper good and evil and all Mm -hmm. of the permutations of that and you can he can tell you about all of them he can tell you about oh the upper planes lawful you know chaotic and neutral etc right then there are the outlands which are the like sigil is a spire in the middle, like at, at the top of an infinitely high spire, Sigil is, is located on that, in hmm. the middle of the Outlands, which the ah. Outlands is the neutral area. Imagine all of the all of the Outer Plains as a ring. The Outlands is a neutral area where if you start walking theoretically from Sigil in a direction, you would slowly become like get more closer and closer to that plane, right? Mm. So Sigil is in this neutral territory, and then there are, like, not just, like, lawful the lawful good zone or whatever, which I've forgotten all the names of this, but there's also just, like, the pure chaos zone, which is Limbo, which is, like, where the Gith Yankee and the Gith Zerai fly around, like, manifesting shit from their minds <laughs> and, like, imposing it onto the Limbo. And then there's, like, just a clockwork world that is just lawful, right? Yeah, where the Modrons live. Where the Modrons live. So he we haven't more... seen a Modron yet in this game, right? It's disappointing. I don't know if they can hack it in. They Sigil. can. There are Modrons in this game. Mm-hmm. We but just haven't seen him yet. But they he are dumps here. he dumps that on me for fifteen minutes, <laughs> and that's like a quarter of my <laughs> my like play time for for today. So it was rad. It was good. I enjoyed it. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like all the plane talk. I am both... It's really interesting, like, from a writerly perspective, um, or, like, just a generic lore perspective, I think that all the plane stuff is really cool. For a gameplay perspective, uh, in the sense of, like, when I'm sitting down to write a D&D adventure, there could be nothing further from my mind mm-hmm. as far as what I want. Mm-hmm. I never want to have to explain that to any players, you know? Yeah, especially if you're not in franchise. What is that even? Like, let me sit you down. <laughs> me... Yeah. Oh, and there's one other thing about Cadrian that was pretty rad. So he's like half ethereal, like you can see through half of him. And you can mm-hmm. ask him about that, and he was like, yeah, so I've like traveled to all of these planes, and I'm searching for like old, my, the meaning, or like I'm searching for myself. And I went to the plane of negation, and I thought I had strong enough magics to, like, withstand fading away, but I was wrong. And you're like, how the hell did you, did you survive? And he like, I only survived because I, I grasped in my hand, like, nothing, and nothing can't negate nothing. And that's the only reason why I survived. And then he gave me that nothing. Yes, I have that nothing. Yes. It's really good. It's really cool. And yeah, it says that spirits, like those evil... Shadows, yeah. yeah, Those shadows that have been following us around can't hurt us. Or they can, but it's just they're way less dangerous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So so we were talking about the the hells and the plains. Mm Mm-hmm. So this is from Morden Canaan's Tomb of Foes. This is a little bit related, but it's just so good of a story. Mm -hmm. I want to read it. So this is the explanation of Asmodeus. Mm-hmm. You know who Asmodeus is? Lawful evil. Mm-hmm. He is mm-hmm. he is the 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 lord of of hell of the nine mm-hmm. hells, right? So he's a devil. In ancient time, as the blood war raged, and we know about the blood war, 
because mm-hmm. the Blood War is ongoing. People have been talking about it in this game. The angels of law and good that dwelt on Mount Celestia issued a decree accusing Asmodeus of terrible crimes. Outraged by such claims, the Lord of the Nine Hells petitioned for the right to answer the charges before his accusers. The angels, although shocked at his impudence, accepted his petition and agreed to hear the bargain he proposed. Both sides, he suggested, would present their case to Primus, leader of the Modrons. Okay. Mm. Uh, As a creature of absolute law... Primus could be trusted to issue a fair and impartial verdict. Asmodeus drafted a contract to seal the deal, and the angels, after carefully scrutinizing the terms, agreed to the deal. When he testified before Primus, Asmodeus attributed his actions to the dictates of law and the survival of the cosmos. He admitted that he swayed mortals to evil, but that he and his minions never breached a contract and explained the terms clearly. Had they not obeyed the rule of law in doing so? Was it not mortal ambition, rather than infernal deception, that led so many souls astray? Asmodeus also pointed out that the souls harvested from the material plane went on to serve in the infernal legions that repelled the endless tide of the abyss. Were not such souls put to good use against the demonic hordes, a power that if unchecked would scour the universe of all lawfulness and goodness? So he just goes on and on and on and on explaining this uh, the stuff. This is not mm-hmm. me reading anymore. Uh, okay, back to reading. Primus weighed Asmodeus's words and listened patiently as an angel after angel testified to his crimes. Hours turned to days and days into weeks as more and more of his sins entered the court record. Bup, 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 bup. Uh, as even Primus's patience has its limits, and in time, the remaining angels who were eager to, te- eager to testify were told that only a few more would be allowed to speak. A brawl broke out when one angel, Zeriel, pushed her way to the front and demanded to be heard. As the scuffle turned into battle, Asmodeus looked on with a smirk. Mm. Uh, so in the end, Primus declined to issue a definitive judgment. He rebuked the angels for their descent into infighting. He didn't punish Asmodeus for his evil ways. He did, however, order Asmodeus to forever carry a mighty artifact, the Ruby Rod. Not, not from the fifth element, a different Ruby Rod. Mm-hmm. But the Ruby Rod that would guarantee his adherence to law which means that Asmodeus can never break a rule. But isn't that a good story? That's the introduction to like how devils think. That's good. Yeah. It's really good. It's really great. And the, the, I, I love it in that this isn't just Planescape. This is like the, uh, this is the foundation of all D&D shit, like every campaign setting. This yeah. is like down at the bottom of it. And what is, what is interesting about that kind of stuff is like that, like, that Asmodeus stuff is in Planescape too. You know, like it's it's part of that that basic stuff. Like in the Smoldering Corpse Inn, you can see those two demons, and they are a wall basically from the Blood War. Mm-hmm. Which which you know that's their whole thing. So it anyway, it's good. It's good stuff. Um. So did you talk to Sebastian? I did not. He is a mage. And he's kind of a fixer. He, like, does confidential stuff. And I talked oh, to him. Mm-hmm. I, I did. I, I got as far as talking to him. I'm reading your notes. Sorry. Yeah. I got as far as talking to him, and I did not do the quest. So he do, he's he's a little bit like Kane There's, like, several things that can happen here. Mm-hmm. Um, he mentions my scars. And I and I ask, hey, well, will you say something that, like, you can help me out with my scars? And he says, yeah. But I'm I, he's in a bind. Because he's taken up a contract, and he never breaks contracts. It's a part of his reputation. But he can't fulfill the contract. It's just beyond his means. But he can't back out of it. And the person that he, that made the contract with him 
is never going to, like, agree to let him out. So he basically just needs me to kill the person that did this contract. Hmm. Um, and the, the person that did the contract is an Ab- Abishai. Abishai? Which, yeah, which know. is actually a creature that you're going to talk about later with a quest you're, do- you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got to go get magical weapons to, like, deal with this Abishai, um, which I do because there's a market here. And um, I, like, confront the Abishai, and it's really, really rude. And when I mention Sebastian's name, the being, which is kind of like a like a drake of sorts or like a dr- draconid or something like that. No, they're demons. Well, they're demons, but they, they're, they're a little reptilian, and they got kind of dragon wings. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and uh, this being thinks, oh, well, Sebastian sent you with the information. What's the information? And I say, I don't have the information. Not the the Abishai is not, you know, satisfied. So I do a fight, and it's like, once again, this game is not very good with fights. It doesn't feel good, but mm-hmm. I do like kill this thing, and I go back to Sebastian, and Sebastian's like, "Oh, thanks, good, thank goodness." Um, let me uh, let me help you help you out with those those scars, and he casts a spell, and I get two charisma, plus two charisma, like it, as a representation of like having fewer scars. Hmm. Yeah. Now. What's even more interesting is I ask a lot about, hey, what's the deal with this place? And he's like, oh, yeah, this like this area, this is kind of the marketplace. And I was like, well, what about this whole region? He's like, this is the lower ward. And he kind of like draws, he says, it's not as slummy as the hive, but, um, you know, it's not as nice as like where, where the lady supposedly lives, right? Mm-hmm. And he tells me about the story of like why the lower ward came to be the lower ward. And there was a person a long time ago that created a key, a special key, that could open up doors to all of the lower planes, which, as we talked about with Kandrian, are just all of the evil planes. Neutral evil, lawful evil, chaotic, and the abyss, chaotic evil, right? Mm-hmm. And this person opened up this stuff and tried to start a rebellion to, like, put the lady down. Damn. And the lady mazes this person, <laughs> which we're going to get into before the before the end of this. Mm-hmm. Lady mazes this person, and like, so the lower ward from then on uh, is called like one of the reasons why it's called the lower ward. In addition to like the class structure of of sigil, is also because of th- those openings to the lower planes. Whoa! And during him his telling of the the story, I start to get a nameless one flashback. And the the implication is the flashback is of me like there's all these explosions happening around me and there is uh, and like I'm running and there's like some some like stone in my hand that's glowing and um, <laughs> and I look and there's this like female form with blades all around her her like face and then I'm struck down or something and the implication is I was there during the opening of the lower the lower planes hmm. maybe even responsible it's yeah i'm not sure about that just unclear unclear <sighs> you did everything <laughs> the nameless <laughs> one did everything yeah truly this is something like on one hand it's very good right like it, it's it's cool storytelling the idea of like accessing memories to tell part of these stories is really cool 
Mm-hmm. On the other hand, in, in the Sevens and Torment Tides of Numenera too, uh, it becomes a question of like, well, what what didn't I do? <laughs> yeah, you know, what what didn't I do? And uh, Tides of Numenera, I think, solves it a little bit more elegantly because they make it very clear that like each version, you know, because has a similar set of ideas as this game, right? That you can mm-hmm. that people uh, or that one person dies and is coming back over and over again. Um, but, but in that world, uh, there are, like, cast-off bodies from this one entity, and there are a lot of them. So mm. um, it's a little bit easier to justify. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I basically wandered around a lot and, like, talked to a lot of, of the, the beans and figures here. I didn't... I didn't um, I didn't do a whole lot of quests, and by, by mm-hmm. that I mean like things that are beginning, middle, and end. But I, I just talked to a lot of people who who seemed to have names and were interesting. Um, so like one, I talked to Byron Pikett. Did you talk to this guy? The uh, yeah, he. I think he can sell you some stuff. He can sell maybe yeah. I think he can sell you some stuff. But his his pitch to you is that he can help you open a shop. That he'll help finance opening a store. And he basically says that, you know, he's talking to a bunch of people and you can kind of push push up against him and, and talk to him. And he says that if you want to open a, a, a merchant stall here, he's the person to talk to. And so I, of course, said, well, hey, I want to open a merchant stall. And he was not into that. And I basically just annoyed the hell out of him. <laughs> like, I, I, I forget what exactly what I did, but I basically, like clicked an option that was uh, a dialogue option that was the equivalent of get real loud. Mm. Um, and I eventually just asked him who Lothar uh, was or no, asked him who would, who would have a skull. And he says, all right, look, just go away. And I was like, I'm not going to go away. I'm going to be even louder. He says, listen, if someone's capturing your skull, it's someone named Lothar. He's the master of bones. Now go away. And so, mm. so I was like, all right, fine. You know that's good. That's helpful. He didn't know. He didn't tell me where Lothar lived, sadly. But later, I was talking to some guards for the Harmonium. Mm-hmm. So what's the, what's the Harmonium? Do you have an idea what the Harmonium's all about? Ah, uh, yeah. It's. I think that they are kind of like the lawful faction. They're the cops. They they are the cops. Which and I assume that they were like lawful good. Hmm. But they're not. I don't think they're lawful good at all. I think they're at best lawful neutral. Well, I just assume that like if there's a faction that's devoted to that, that they would be lawful good and that in practice they would not be, right? But that their ideology would be lawful good. But they are not. Um, so later I'm talking to a Harmonium guard and I was like, hey, what are, you, what are y'all all about? And uh, he says, I, I'm here to enforce order, order in sigil. And after, since I talked to Byron Pikett uh, enough... I had a little option that would say, uh, you know, do you know about this Byron Pikett guy? And I clicked it. And the Harmonium Harmonium guard was like, listen, I'm not going to talk about him. And I was like, well, why? And he says, I'm a realist. This is as close to a quote. I I, Mm -hmm. I wrote it down, but it's not 100%. But I'm a realist as well as a Harmonium officer. And I know that there are those who are above the law. Mm. And he kind of intimates slash just states out that Byron Pikett is like, a crime lord. Oh man. For this part of the city and that there is a a like mob in the same way that Farad, you know, like who who runs Barter Town mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and Farad like runs the hive. 
that that Byron Pike is like part of the ruling organization for this part of the city, which contextualizes how scary Lothar must be if even Pike doesn't even want to talk about him. Mm-hmm. Oh, he just doesn't want to be involved with him. Well, I like that. And I like the idea that it recontextualizes what Byron Pikett said when he's like, oh, I can help you open a shop. Mm. <laughs> it's like, I'm the person who controls if you can open a shop or not. Yeah. Uh, which is really good, too. Um, I met a guard named Corvus. Did you do this little short quest? I did not. Oh, man. All right. So if you go into the um, the bazaar area that we were talking about before, there is a woman walking around, and her name is Karina. Mm-hmm. And she she's kind of moving back and forth between all the stalls. She has, like, text that appears above her head where she's just kind of talking out loud. And you can talk to her, and she basically says that she doesn't have any friends because people think she talks too much. Hmm. Um, you know, and it's just it's kind of like two-off dialogue. It's not nothing super deep, no 15-minute-long lore dump, anything like that. There's also this guard named Corvus who was kind of at the end of the hallway. And Corvus is, like, lonely, and Corvus is sad, and uh, I think he actually might be the one who tells me. Um, I, I didn't write it down, but I think he might be the one who told me about Byron Pikett after I talked to him enough. Mm. But uh, in any case, I'm, I'm talking to, to Corvus, and he mentions that he watches her every day walking around this bazaar, and no one wants to talk to her. But he wants to talk to her, and he just can't get up the, the spirit to do so. Damn. I was like, listen, Corvus, you should just go talk to her. She's way lonely because people find her very annoying. <laughs> and then he did. And uh, they, they had a happy ending. Well, happily ever after. I know. Until uh, this part of the city is crushed beneath the Lady of Pain's desires again or whatever. Or the the Davises just, like, rebuild it around them. Yep. You gotta hope that doesn't happen. Yeah. Get cask of Amontillado'd by Davis. Mm-hmm. So it, I'm looking in the show notes here. You did this Xanthia quest, too. I did, yeah. <laughs> this quest is very good. It's good. This is, and it, it's like the perfect, th- this is a really great example of how, it's a really great example of, like, Planescape at its best versus a lot of quests in Baldur's Gate. Because you know that if you were to port this quest to Baldur's Gate, A, all of the players are going to be like in different zones from each other and there's going to be a fight somewhere. Mm-hmm. And this is just a perfect quest because everybody's right here and it's just about listening to stories and making a decision. Yes, it is. The, that's what I was, uh, I was actually going to say that. Like, this is the... If if you were to ask me to point to a quest that is the basic conversation quest, right, that has all of the pieces that you could then pattern other quests off of and then adapt in different ways to do different kinds of things, this would be it. Like, this yeah. is the, the, the er conversation quest. The platonic conversation quest. So there's a woman named Xanthia standing in the street. Mm-hmm. And you can just go up and talk to her. And she's kind of uh, at the northern part of the street. There are some people on the uh, eastern part of the street. There are these big brown, like, I, they kind of look like they have fur. I don't I don't really know. 
They um, looked a little ogreish to me. Yeah, yes. They definitely like big brown ogres, basically. They're like big and muscly. And they're like, you know, two times the size of a human. Um, and then there are some Abishai, like over on the western part of the street, kind of across mm-hmm. the road. And you can talk to Xanthia, and I actually don't know. I mean, she's basically just cackling <laughs> maliciously, right? Mm-hmm. And she says, oh, man, I'm going to own these dudes over here across the street. And you can be like, what are you talking about? And she says, those Thakola, which are the kind of ogre-looking looking fellas, she says, those Thakola were in the inn last night, the tavern last night. And my husband, it's part of his job to entertain these, like, extraplanar creatures. And they were in the in the, the tavern with us last night, and they are big and they are rowdy, and they knocked some wine or something mm-hmm. onto my dress and ruined it. And so, I'm going to get them murdered. Mm-hmm. She says, I, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe she says that she has told the Thakola that the Abishai, these kind of demons across the street, have, uh, like, wounded her honor in some way. What she said is, you owe me a debt, and the mm, only way you can right. repay that debt is by showing that you are a great warrior. That's and right. the only way you can show that you are a great warrior is by defeating a great foe. And I will name that foe, and it is an Abishai. Crucially, what she does not tell the Nicola <laughs> is that Abishai can only be defeated with magical weapons, like mm-hmm. you were saying earlier. And so she's kind of like cackling maliciously because she knows that those Nicola are just going to go get killed. Like they're, they're going to go get demolished by these demons. And then you have a few options. Um, ahead of you what what did you do how did you how did you do this so i think this is not great because i did not in- interact with xanthia first really i interact i like just you know randomly just clicked on one of these the cola warriors and they're like oh you need to talk to our boss and so i talked to the boss and he's like and he's like mm, i'm gonna get one of them flying lizards <laughs> and i said what are you what are you talking about like a flying lizard yeah you know fl- big old flying lizard i said are you talking about a dragon and this guy is like, "Oh, if only one day I would be able, I would be strong enough to take down a dragon." And then, like the the dialogue is like, and he looks up wistfully, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I say, "Well, are you? If it's not a dragon, what are you talking about?" And he's like, "I don't know. It's a little smaller than that." Are you talking about like an Abishai, like a demon? And he's like, "Yeah, that's the one." And I was like, "Well, why on earth do you want to kill that?" And then he, t- it, I hear the story from his perspective. Oh, okay. Yeah, and. Uh, at that point, I have the name, Xanthia, and when I hit tab, I'm like, oh, Xanthia's right up here. And that's how I, like, collect the rest of the information. It's like, mm. I get her side of the view. It's like, why do you want these people to, to kill an Abishai? And, and she's like, well, I'm, I'm, I want revenge for my dress, so I just picked a foe that I knew would crush them. Yeah, and the, the, the Cola, like, this is their whole deal. Like, they mm-hmm. are strong warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you might think this is why what, what I think is good. Like there are a lot of twists and turns in this game as far as like reversing expectations, but it's never the or at least not yet. It has not been uh, the person you thought was the good guy was the bad guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not been the Baldur's Gate turn. It has been a different kind of turn. 
So for this quest, I just went over to the Thakola guy, mm-hmm. and I was like, hey, man, you need magical weapons. <laughs> this thing's going to kill you. And he was like, oh, really? And then he was like, well, I still have to be a mighty warrior, though. I have to, I have to prove, you know, and, and defeat a foe. But it's truly being the mightier warrior if I recognize my weakness and I don't die. That's oh. it. That's what I'll do. And then they go and they walked away. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I think I, there was some way it shook out where I was like, she deceived you. And he was like, oh, my gosh, so the agreement was made in deception? Well, I don't have a debt to her anymore. Yeah. I think I think I got to I don't have a debt to her anymore, but I remember mm-hmm. there being a little section in the middle of it being like, well, I can still get out of here with my honor. Mm. <laughs> and that's because I'm smart, which I appreciated. Good. Yeah. Yeah, and then she threatened me. Yeah, she said, well, you ruined my fun. You will live to regret this. Yeah. Which we're immortal, so yeah. I don't know. On a long enough timeline. <laughs> I hope it comes back. Bites mm-hmm. me. Uh, I had a really interesting section with a woman who had been, you know, uh, a, a gith woman, um, uh, a gith, gith, uh, gith Yankee, I guess, because she's the same as Dakan. Mm hmm. Who's also in my party now. Oh, good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did you have this little. Question. I did. Same thing, yeah. Okay, yeah. So she's she basically she's a gith who has been living in this area for a long time and she's got that kind of yellow skin and like her body is falling apart. It kind of looks like she she's had a very rough and bad life. And contrary to all fantasy fiction beforehand, uh you roll up to this woman, you talk to her, and Dakan is like, Yeah, I'll I'll kill you if you if you want me to. And she's like, Yeah, do it. And he's like, all right, I'll do it. And he, like, kind of, and you can kind of ask him, you'll be like, what is going on? And he's like, listen, that's my job. Because, you know, he's kind of a blade or whatever. There, he has a title. And he's like, this is what, what this is my social service. This is what I do. I provide an alternative to, to existence. And then he murders her in the street. I think you can stop her. You can tell her, tell him not to do it. Yes, but I, 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 I told him do what you got to do it seemed consensual yeah yeah well she she absolutely asked him to do it mm-hmm. um so yeah yeah i was 100 percent on board with doing that but that's an interesting moment right of that that there's no room for that in in many of these kinds of games yeah it was um, uh it was i don't know it was just like i feel like in, in a lot of ways i'm getting uh dakin's lore kind of piecemeal yeah, you have to talk to him. Yeah, and I have talked to him. He's got some cool story to him. I, yeah. I, I've been enjoying it, but I guess we should we should get here to got to find Lothar here. We do. All right, so I I uh, get Lothar's location. I think maybe even from Corvus. Um, I think he might have been the person who finally gave me Lothar's location after I helped him out. Same, um, I believe. And. Uh, He's just hanging out in, in like, the south part of the, the, the little region there. And you go in his house, and you go down a ladder or down some stairs. You go down one level, and he has a whole big-ass basement full of skulls. Just skulls. <laughs> just skulls. Just a skull guy. And Morty's like, hey, I'm up here. Yeah. I'm, I'm over here. You gotta get me out. And, of course, Lothar teleports in. And he says, look, I'll give you your skull back. Totally cool, bro. 
but I'm going to need something from you. I'm going to need a more valuable skull. Yes, and he first specifies, oh, I want you to go to this particular tomb because I think there's a really rad skull in there, and Mm -hmm. I can't get in, right? Yep. A lot of of traps. We both went to that tomb. Yes. It's... it's And... Yes, and our tomb. tomb. <laughs> it's our tomb. So we have both like, and and it was not. So this is interesting. Remember how? Um, I guess it was last episode, or you know, maybe two episodes ago, where we were saying, "Oh man, it's it's wild that you could theoretically miss that tomb because it's such a big plot beat." This is where the game forces you to go to that tomb, whether you've been there or not. Yeah, yeah, it is um, strongly encouraging encouraging you to get down in that tomb. Um. But because we've both been to the tomb and be like, yeah, that tomb's empty because it's our tomb. He's like, what? Well, you'll need, you'll still need to find a real good skull to replace, to replace uh, more. Yeah. So, uh, whose skull did you go get? I literally went downstairs and there was a rat person who was a servant of Lothar. This rat person is named Mantuak, mm-hmm. and Mantuak got uh, spicy with me. <laughs> And I think some Balthazar kind of kind of bled through into the into the nameless one. Did some Balthazar channeling, and I smote Montuak, and I got a big old skull from him. I regret, huh? I regret not going up because you can apparently buy poison cheese from an inn in this area and give it to Montuak the were rat, and then he dies. You can just pick up his skull then. Uh, I didn't do it. So, so down, yeah, if you go downstairs, you talk to this man to walk. I talked to him and I was like, he was like, listen, I'm the person who brings the, the big tasty skulls. You don't bring the big tasty skulls, bro. And I said, listen, man, I'm just going to do it. And he says, all right, but if you come back here with a skull, I want it. Cause I want to give it to Lothar. And I said, whatever. So I, I ran by him and a portal opens and it takes you back to the drowned nations and all those places we've been before. Mm. And so I went over to where the silent king lives, of course, and I went to Stale Mary and I said uh, cuz you know she's been very helpful before and I actually just wanted to, to go in that little uh, teleporter that took us to the silent king, you remember? Mhm. Mm-hmm. And so I talked to Stale Mary um, to get her to open the teleporter again and she uh, I say, hey, I need a skull. And she's like, what do you need a skull for? And I was like, well, this guy's got my buddy. And she says, okay. And she just rips her own head off. Mm. Um, and, and even before she does it, I said, but Mary, if you give me your skull, you'll die. And she says, well, I'm already dead. And it just pops it off. Oh, man. So I, I got... Does I, I she die? Does she, she like she crumble? She is dead. She is she's dead. gone in your game. Yes. So I felt bad about that, but I thought it was a pretty cool way to go mm. um so i did end up going going back and the rat stops me he says give me that skull and i didn't and then he tried to fight me and i ran away interestingly enough the very first time that you uh find out that the silent king is dead if you have high enough dexterity and a regular skull in your inventory in that moment you can switch his great skull with the regular skull, and no one will notice. <laughs> like you go Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, I, I read it after I did this. I was like, "Ooh, I wonder how else I could have done this." Mm, that's good. But mm-hmm. Lothar uh, to his benefit, he gives us Mort back. But then he also tells us like all kinds of stuff, important stuff. He really lore dumps us here. 
So first off, he says that the reason I am this way is that someone named uh, a night hag, mm-hmm. which is like a D&D monster kind of creature, a night mm-hmm. hag named Ravel Puzzlewell took my soul, number one, mm-hmm. that that uh, if I want to go talk to Ravel, that's going to be a problem because Ravel was mazed by the Lady of Pain. Yes. And ma- mazing, we've talked a little bit about it, but but just the gloss on it. It is a very high-level wizard spell in D&D, and you are literally transported to a, in the, in, in like, first and second edition, it is straight up d- described as, like, the Cretan maze. Yes, a labyrinth. Yeah, it is a labyrinth with a minotaur in it, <laughs> and you have to solve it or get murdered by the minotaur, like, legit. Um, mm-hmm. it, that, it, that has changed over the years, but that is the level of shit that's going on when you get mazed so she is gone um or at least you know has been transported to another place and is not getting out and the lady of pain put her there to find ravel we got to do two things we have to find the portal to get to her and we have to find the key and he says we can go to somewhere called the civic fest hall to find find out more information about that and that Ravel, this is the last kind of little bit of info he gives us, that Ravel was mazed and punished by the Lady of Pain because she wanted to solve, quote-unquote, solve Sigil. Yeah. Unravel it. Treat it like a puzzle. That kind of Do thing. Do you... There may be some relationship between the Ravel story and how the lower ward got its name. Hmm. But I'm not 100% sure. I'm That's not gonna, 100% I don't know. I'm interested to see how this pans out. I can't remember who was talking about it recently. I think it might have been Chris Avalon in the on the Waypoint forums. I'm not 100%. I think that might be true. But talking about how Ravel has showed up in a bunch of other things that he has written. And that mm-hmm. one of his proposed sequels slash prequels to Planescape was just about Ravel. So, big, big character. And this is kind of our next plot point, right? we got to go find Ravel and see what's up with our immortality. Mm. No, this is exciting. I'm, I, I want to I do it. Let's do it in two weeks. We're going to do it in two weeks. We're going to go find Ravel. Next, next episode, we're going to get all the way through our encounter with Ravel. Yes. Bum, bum, bum. Smash uh, that like button. Smash the like button. Make sure you hit the notification bell. Hit subscribe if you haven't subscribed already. That would really help us out. Uh, other stuff here. Uh, Twitter.com slash range touch. Twitch.tv slash range touch. Uh, rangedtouch.com. The website is up. We didn't say that at the beginning of this episode, but we oh, have yeah. a website now. Rangetouch.com. It's good. You'll be able to find all the stuff there. Uh, like we said at the beginning of the episode, you can find us on iTunes now, and you'll be able to find us on other stuff soon enough. Mm, mm, mm. That's it. Got it. Come see our, uh, come watch our charity stream next week, uh, or on the uh, the VOD here on YouTube. Everybody uh, have a have a great time and uh, ciao.